is that time of year again. I mean, the turkey leftovers, they're gone, or at least they are in our house. Students, you're um, going back to school, but maybe for just, what, a couple more weeks. The, the pumpkins have made way for the poinsettias. And finally, okay, if, if you're with me on this, would you just kind of give me a show of hands? I need some support in this. But finally, those of you online, give me a thumbs up emoji in the chat. Finally, those of us who've been listening to Christmas music for over a month now can do so without ridicule. Thank you. Oh, yes. The first service wasn't all that excited about that. I thought maybe I was alone. So thank you for that. No, I mean, goodness, this year, I mean, it is Christmas. And it is Christmas 2020. And I think if we have ever needed some Christmas, it is now. So, I mean, hey, cut us some slack. Come on, we can clap for Christmas. <laughs> but you, th you think about it. I mean, we, we've experienced so much change, so much change this year. And sometimes in a season where you've experienced a lot of change, you just want something that doesn't change. You just want something that feels a little familiar, a little traditional, dare we say a little normal. So I say bring on the tradition. I say let's sing that song that we have sung a hundred times and let's sing it exactly the way we did it. I say let's watch that movie that we can quote. We've seen it so many times, but, you know, we're going to watch it anyway. We're going to take that Christmas ornament and we're going to put it up on that tree in the exact same place that it was last year because that feels good. That feels right. It feels mm, familiar. I, we've got some traditions in our, I know you guys probably got some traditions, Christmas traditions in your home. We've got some in the, in the Eads home as well. But one of those traditions that really, it was kind of an accident, it started out as a game, but it kind of stuck. You see, in the Eads household, um, you don't just get handed a gift. You have to go search for it. <laughs> it's a real a simple game, really. I go hide the gift and then I give you the clues, and then you have to go search for it. You have to follow the clues to find the gift. It's actually a lot of fun for me. <laughs> but maybe you know a little bit of what that feels like because maybe you're searching too. Uh, not for a PS4 game that's wrapped up in the front yard landscape, but, <laughs> but you're searching for what we're all searching for, and that's hope. We're searching for hope because we could all use a little hope. Now, I know that hope is a word that gets thrown around a lot. I hope for an end of this pandemic. I, I hope for a vaccine. I, I hope that I don't gain weight after eating my weight in pecan pie over Thanksgiving. That's for someone else. But we are all searching for hope. Because I don't have to tell you, hope is not a strategy. We need something real. Some of you are searching for hope right now because this is the first Christmas without your loved one that you lost this past year. And it's going to be different. You know, just over the last couple weeks, two of our staff here on church have lost spouses just in the last two weeks. 
Yeah, we need, we need something more. We need real hope, lasting hope. Some of you are, are searching for hope right now because maybe your job situation is not what it used to be. Maybe your health is not what it used to be. Maybe, maybe your reputation is not what it used to be. Some of us are searching for hope because the last thing or the last person that we put our hope in has let us down again. We need more than wishful thinking. We need more than, than hope so. What I believe we need is the hope of Jesus. We're beginning a new series today entitled The Hope of Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a deeper look at what this means. What does it mean to have true hope, to have real hope, to have the lasting hope for a lifetime that, and beyond this life that we're all searching for? Sometimes you have to search for it, kind of like a gift in the Eads house. You have to follow the clues. And here's the good news. God has left clues he has left clues for his people throughout the ages. For thousands of years, he has left clues for his people to be able to find true and lasting hope. And so here's what I want to invite you to do with me today as we journey through Scripture to take a look at some of those clues that just might point us in the right direction. What do you say we begin at Genesis chapter 1? We'll begin in the beginning. Many of you, you, you know the story. But maybe you don't. God created. In the beginning, God created, and it was beautiful. It, it was more than that. It was perfect. It was perfection. It was a perfect world. It was a perfect place with perfect relationship with mankind, a perfect bond with perfect union, perfect harmony. It was, well perfect. But then sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. Sin enters the world. And what does it do? That sin, it breaks apart that relationship. It shatters that bond. Okay, this event is why this time of year we sometimes sing, long lay the world in sin and error, pining. The Apostle Paul, years later, would write about this. Look at what he says. Remember that at that time you were without hope and without God in the world. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to remind them and to remind us that like Adam and Eve, our relationship has been torn apart with God. Because of, like Adam and Eve, our sin has separated us from God. And like Adam and Eve, we too were without hope and without God in the world. So what do we do? You see, God, he would not turn his back on his creation. Back in Genesis, we see God make an unbelievable promise. He's going to leave a clue that's going to point to hope. He makes a promise to a man named Abram. 
in Genesis chapter 12. But then he comes back 24 years later in Genesis chapter 17 and he makes this promise. Abram was 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him again and said, I am God all-powerful. If you obey me and always do right, I will keep my solemn promise to you and give you more descendants than can be counted. Abram bowed with his face to the ground and God said, I promise that you will be the father of many nations. That's why I now change your name from Abram to Abraham. I will give you a lot of descendants. And in the future, they will become great nations. Some of them will even be kings. I will always keep the promise I have made to you and your descendants because I am your God and their God. God was leaving a clue. He was was making a promise to Abraham. He was saying to him, and and this becomes a great theme all throughout the Old Testament, and, and it is this. That even when things seem hopeless, even when things seem hopeless, hope is coming. We begin to see this theme all throughout Scripture. I mean, the first time God came to Abraham, Abram, he was, what, 75 years old. It was laughable then. And then he comes back 24 years later and he doubles down and he says, even some of your descendants, they will be kings So what do you say we fast forward a little bit? The book of Exodus is the next book in the Old Testament. God's chosen people are, Abraham's descendants are, well, they're not kings. They're anything but kings. As we look in Exodus, they are slaves. They are enslaved. Underneath the thumb of Pharaoh, I have to wonder that maybe some of their kids were like, Mom, Dad, like, what was all that hope talk about? Like, like Moses, I mean, we, we talk about all that, you know, the, the descendants, the many nations, and like, we're in bad shape here. But yet again, it's almost like God just, he leaves another clue, just saying, even though things seem hopeless, hope is coming. And maybe you've read this before. If you haven't, this is fascinating. God delivers his people from bondage in Egypt. He rescues his people. He delivers his people. And then he does something that no one, and I mean no one, saw coming. Look at what God says through Moses. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Okay, just think about this for just a second. God is now going to dwell among his people. Now, God the creator, they understood that. And, and now because of the parting of the Red Sea and all 10 plagues and it was crazy. I mean, they know God the deliverer. So God the creator, God the deliverer, but now the God of the world is saying, I'm going to come be the God in your world. God himself is going to dwell among them. Even when things seem hopeless. Hope is coming. But there was one small problem. You see, even though God's presence was reassuring within the tabernacle, that that he tabernacled among them in this movable tent they called the tabernacle. It was, they were reminded of God's presence, and that was good. But they were also reminded of their sin. And they were also reminded that their sin still separated them from God. Still long lay the world in sin and error pining. I wonder sometimes they just thought, you know, this, is, this is hopeless. 
I mean, because they still did not have eternal hope. This would continue for 1,500 years. For 1,500 years, God's people, I mean, the kings would come. The kingdoms would come. The kingdoms would flourish. There would be military conquest. King David would be victorious beyond belief. Solomon, wealthy beyond belief. They had the riches. They had the power. They had the, the influence. They had everything, but they still did not have eternal hope. And I have to think maybe they, they thought this is hopeless, but even when things seem hopeless, hope is coming. About 700 B.C., give or take, God would continue to give clues to his people, pointing to true hope that was coming, this time through a messenger, a prophet named Isaiah. Now, before we read this, I want you to just imagine for just a moment that you have never heard the end of this story that you've never read these scriptures before. I want you to just imagine so that we can come to understand just how much hope these words actually bring. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. Oh, this is such good news to them. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. Just imagine those who have been in exile, those who have been in, in, enslaved hearing these words. And then finally, he will not falter, okay, the one who's coming, the hope that is coming. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails. Oh, don't you know they wanted justice. Justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. 700 B.C., give or take. But then about 2,000 years ago, it happened. It came. Hope came. He came. He appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope a weary world finally 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 a weary world finally gets to rejoice for yonder breaks a new and a glorious morn but what does that mean for us. What does that mean for us now? What does this mean for us today? Again, the Apostle Paul, who was writing years later, summed this up so beautifully in, in really just a few short verses. I want you to look at what he writes in Galatians chapter 4. But when the time was right, God sent his son, and a woman gave birth to him. His son obeyed the law so he could set us free from the law, and we could become God's children. Now, I want us to just stop there for just a moment. Oh, first of all, we see that when the time was right, God sent his son. I know that so many times we really wish, God, that you would have acted a little sooner. Or maybe we wish that, God, you would have waited a little longer. But God's timing, it's always right. God's timing is perfect. And it was perfect when he sent his son. And he sent his son to be born of a virgin, born and a woman would give birth to him. Now, why is that significant? 
<laughs> That's significant because, well, first of all, it's fulfilled prophecy from what we read in Isaiah. But second, you see, God was, or Jesus was fully God. But he was also fully human. Fully God, 100% God, 100% human, all at the same time. Now, why is that significant? Because he could come and obey the law. Here's the thing about the law. When, when, you, when you hear the law, see, the law was good. The law is good, but the law isn't good for us. Why? Because we broke it. Because we sinned and our sin broke the law. And because of that, the weight of the law, the weight of our sin was crushing us. But it did not crush him. It, why did it not crush him? It did not crush him because he met the requirement of the law. What was the requirement of the law? Oh, no big deal, just perfection. That's all. But he obeyed the law perfectly. And then he did the unimaginable. He traded places with us. He took on our sin. So the weight of our sin, the weight of the law was now crushing him on a cross. In exchange, we received his perfection. And finally, finally, we were free. Paul goes on to write, I want you to see what he says in Galatians 4. Now that we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And this is how we know. And, and his spirit tells us. That's how we know. The spirit tells us that God is our father. You are no longer slaves. You are no longer slaves. You are God's children, and you will be given what he has promised. Friends, Jesus didn't just come to fulfill a promise to Abraham. Jesus didn't just come to fulfill a promise to Moses or to David. Jesus came to fulfill a promise to you. See, Jesus didn't just come to, to bring us hope. Jesus came to be our hope. He himself is the gift. He himself is the reason we have hope. I mentioned earlier in the message that uh, in just the last couple weeks, two of our staff, have lost a spouse. One of those was the husband of our, our very own, our children's minister, Miss Selma. Many of you know Miss Selma. And many of you knew Reuben Rivas. Reuben was, um, he was gentle, he was quiet, but he was a spiritual giant. Uh, many times you, you might see him standing behind that camera back there. Or you'd see him serving in, in children's ministry. Uh, hours after he passed, I received an email from Selma. And in the subject line, it was just one word. 
with an exclamation point. The word was victory. Victory. And I just, I think to myself, how in that moment do you have that kind of perspective? Friends, that is not faith that is placed in hope so. That is faith that is placed firmly in the hope of Jesus. And I wanted to be here today to tell you that you can have that kind of hope. That hope is yours because even though things seem hopeless, hope is coming and it has come to you. So if you've never trusted Jesus as your hope, I wanna, I wanna share a song and, and as I do that, would you consider, consider the one who came to be your hope? Hope has a name. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Breaking through the silence, glory in the highest, the hope of all creation, resting in his mother's arms. Ringing through the heavens The long-awaited Savior Come to set the captives free Come to set the captives free Come to set us free Hope has a name He made searching and if you need healing he's where you'll find it so lay down your burdens breathe in forgiveness and if you need freedom yeah he's where you're gonna find it oh if you need freedom oh he's where you'll find it Oh, he's where you'll find it. i 
Come if you're broken. Come if you're searching. And if you need healing, he's where you're gonna find it. So lay down your burdens. Breathe in forgiveness. And if you need freedom, he's where you're gonna find it. And if you need freedom, come on and find it here. And if you need freedom, he's where you'll find it. If you've never received that hope, if you've never placed your full trust in Jesus, you can do so. Right now, you simply need to go to your heavenly Father, your loving Father, your Father who sent His Son for you to fulfill a promise to you. Just, if that's you right now, I wanna invite you to join me in this prayer. Oh, Father, God of hope, who you sent your Son, you sent your hope into this world. I confess my sin, I repent of my sin. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sin. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me for your glorious purposes throughout your kingdom, throughout all of my days. I receive you, Jesus. I receive your hope, a lifetime of hope, and even beyond this life. give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have received Jesus, if you've trusted him for the very first time, we want you to know that we're celebrating with you. All of heaven is celebrating with you right now because you've made a wise choice. In fact, you've you made the wisest choice you could ever make in this life. And we want to come alongside of you. As a church, we want to walk alongside of you. We'd love to talk to you about what this means, this relationship with Jesus is your beginning that. We'd like to talk to you about going public with your faith. We believe that baptism is the way that we go public with our faith, saying that we have decided to follow Jesus all of our days and we have a relationship with him. This is such a wonderful, amazing, exciting, yet scary, fulfilling adventure. And we want to walk alongside of you. So I hope you'll give us the opportunity to do that. Some of you, you have found the hope of Jesus. Maybe some of you found the hope of Jesus many, many years ago. Can I encourage you, invite you to share the hope of Jesus this Christmas season. There are people searching for hope all around you right now. Where you live, work, learn, and play, there are so many people searching for hope. What if we as a church, what if we as a church got really intentional and specific about how we can share the hope of Jesus? Our vision here at Oak Hills Church, we envision a community of disciples courageously engaging culture with what? With the hope of Jesus, where we live, work, learn, and play. Here is a way this could happen. We as individuals, we in our small groups, what if we shared the hope in this way? Help someone through an act of service this month. 
Open your life to others. Pray for those where you live, work, learn, and play. And finally, encourage someone to do what we just did. Encourage someone to embrace the hope of Jesus. God has been giving clues to his people for thousands of years so that they would know, even though things seem hopeless, hope is coming. Could it be that during this Christmas season, he has chosen you to be one of those clues for someone else? My friend, you may be the only Bible anyone reads this Christmas season. You may be the closest thing to a preacher anyone hears. And maybe God has placed you at just the right time in his perfect timing, put you in their path so that you could be the one. You would be the messenger. You would be the one to say to someone in just the right time, even though things seem hopeless, hope is coming.